You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. My wife, Cynthia, uh, couldn't be here today. She is, in the words of one of our granddaughters, very cautionistic. And so she is only around a select group of our family and and so forth. Nothing personal, uh, but she sends her greetings to you all. Uh, We've enjoyed uh, Piedmont Church a lot and uh, just know so many folks who are here. Um, She read somewhere where today, tomorrow, today's probably too late, but tomorrow and Tuesday, uh, with all this going on, uh, be in great deep prayer. Uh, she is fasting for a couple of days. I know that uh, many are uh, for our country. And I'm going to be relating just a couple of, uh, well, some Bible truths uh, to where we are uh, as a nation. But uh, I'm going to talk today about the lens that we view life through. Um, because, see, uh, each of us sees life in a different way. We see it... Uh, through what uh, Pastor Chris and I called a gospel lens. And so uh, I'm going to read a, a passage here, and I think we're going to put it up on the screen there. But uh, I hope this is going to be meaningful to you. If you will, please just stand uh, in honor of me reading uh, the Word of the Lord here. This is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this to the church. And what he is doing is challenging the church to advance the gospel. So listen to what he says. This is to the church in Philippi. He said, I want you to know, brothers, that whatever has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the world, the whole imperial guard. That means the elite bodyguards that the emperor had. uh, And to all the rest that that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much bolder to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Bow your heads just for a moment, please. Father, I thank you for this good day, this Lord's Day, where we come together and we worship the true and living God. Father, I thank you for giving us Jesus. Lord, I thank you that he is our rock, the rock of our salvation, Lord, that He is the one who brings us hope and gives us joy and peace and fulfillment. So I thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord wants us to hear this day. Give us hearts that are open to receive the Word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every one of us, Paul, Paul had a gospel worldview. And that's what I'm going to talk to us about that this morning. With all this going on around us, with an election coming up on Tuesday, many of us have already voted, 
I want you to find your comfort in one, in your relationship with Christ and through the promises of God. I don't want you to find your comfort and your peace or your security or anything else in one, who is in the White House, regardless of who that is, or who is in Congress, or who is in the statewide office. Folks, we don't get our peace from those people. I said, we don't get our peace from them. We get our peace from the, from the Lord, from His Word, from the promises that He has made to us. And I, if so, I will be so happy when Wednesday comes, and I, we're not going to have to endure any more political uh, advertisements for a long, long time. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to know this. Regardless of what happens on Tuesday, God is in control. I told the people at FPD when I was serving there, when COVID first hit, and I did, I did a video that went out to all of the school. And the thing that I closed with was this. It was from a, a child's song that my mother taught me when I was younger than gray. And it is this. He's got the whole world in his hands. See, he is the one who is in charge. He is the one who gives us our peace and our joy. Um, we, all see, we all see life from, from a different lens. The way Paul saw the world was through the lens of his relationship with God through Christ. Paul demonstrated what a gospel lens, a filter, what it really is. When my daddy was alive, he didn't see real well the last few years of his life, and, he, and he, he used this right here. You see my big eye? This was the lens with which my dad used to read the newspaper and the Bible and his Sunday school lesson. They used to have Sunday school books, you know, when you go to Sunday, and all that kind of thing. This was the lens that he used. And every time I see this, it makes me, one, think of him, and two, now it, it will begin to make me think of the lens that I see the world through. And if you come up on something like that, maybe that will be something good that you can think about as well. But we all see life through a lens. For some, it would be a military lens after somebody who has served in the Army or Navy or whatever. For some of us, it might be we see through the lens of a Southerner raised in the South, different from somebody who maybe grew up perhaps in California or the Midwest or New England. Males and females, we see life differently somehow. Maybe our lens has to do with our age, uh, where we're a generation or two or three removed from somebody else. You see, my parents saw life differently from me because they lived, they were born in the 1920s, and they lived through the Depression, through World War II, through Korea and Vietnam, they had a different work ethic back in those days. And so they saw life differently from me. And I see life differently from my own children and certainly now from my grandchildren. Maybe your lens deals with where you were raised or what part of the country or what part of the city. Maybe you have a political lens uh, that we, you see your world through. It may be liberal or conservative or moderate or centrist or far left or far right. 
Paul shows the new Christians in the eastern world, at the eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea, he showed the Christians that life's most complex problems can be seen or should be seen through the lens of the gospel. And you know that the word gospel means good news. Paul challenges believers to examine every area of their lives through the lens of the gospel. That that is the way we as followers of Jesus, that's the way we need to see life and see how it measures up to what the gospel says. And that in turn will, will, will teach us how we should talk and respond, how we should make our money, spend our money, how we should treat others, how we should act in the business world, how we should make a living, and how basically we should live our life. Out of Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 12 through 14, this is from Jeremiah the prophet, which was written 600 years before, Je before Christ. And he's writing the words of the Lord, and he says, Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me, and find me, when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. These are comforting words to people who have wandered for a long, long time, and who have lived their lives in tents and not in a house. In our country, we're going through a hard time right now. Politically, relationally, health-wise, there's plenty of hate and vitriol and anarchy that we see about every single day. Things are not going well for us in this country right now. They may not be going well for you in your own family. Cynthia and I were talking last night, and three of our, our dearest friends are all in the process of dying with cancer. Cynthia's sister has, and her husband have COVID. It, this is becoming rampant in the, where we're living right now. But through it all, I know that I should determined to live, by, live my life by faith and by trusting in God, even when I don't understand why things are happening like they do. One of my friends, his wife is a doctor. She is our children's doctor in Atlanta. And she has the rarest of cancer. And she is in the last stages of her life. She's not even 60 years old. And I'm thinking, Lord, why? And that family has just really wondered, but they have not forsaken God. They have not given up on Him, though they know He is in control. You see, they are seeing her situation and their family situation through the lens of Christ. They have determined that they will live a life of faith and that they will trust in God, even though they are facing some, some untold grief and pain. So where are you with this lens thing? Through what lens do you and your family view life and view God 
and view each other. My gospel lens tells me this, that we're not going to be on this earth forever. And you all understand that. We are just, the Bible calls us sojourners, that we are passing through. It seems like just no time that I was in college or high school or was just growing, just in the process of growing up. But now I have six grandchildren. And I know that time is fleeting. That is why I have determined that I will use a gospel-centered lens as I, begin, as I continue to look at the world that we're living in. Ask yourself this. Are you right where God wants you? He is in control, and somehow He will use difficult situations in our lives to conform you and me to the gospel. To, to conform us to His image. And as we struggle, I think God wants us to tell Him how we're doing. I think He wants us to be honest with Him. I think He wants us to pour out our, our, our desires, our hurts, our victories as well to Him. As we begin to see the world through a lens of faith from a biblical perspective. See, it's hard to trust God when we have no idea where He is leading us, don't we? we? When we don't know where we're going to end up, it's especially hard to trust Him when we feel inadequate or unworthy of His graciousness toward us. Deep inside, we all like to think that if we obey God, we do what He tells us to do, then things may be tough, but they will ultimately work out for our good. And for His glory. You see, He simply wants us to trust Him in all things. Are you still with me? I want you to hear me. Obeying God is always the best way for us to go. Obeying and trusting Him. And viewing the world through the lens of faith and obedience will always be the wise way for us to live our lives. But sometimes, being obedient just doesn't sound like a good idea. When we have tried to do the right thing, when our doctor friend has lived right and lived well and eaten and correctly and exercised and has done all of those things that she knew that she should have done. That's, that's a frustration. When we have tried to, to obey God's will uh, and, and muster up the courage that we need to follow and trust Him. As we have followed God's leading, and still we may end up frustrated and wondering if somehow we must have missed it somewhere along the way. Did we miss it? Viewing life, Piedmont, viewing life through the lens of what God is doing is seldom easy. And sometimes His ways are not clear to begin with. But throughout history, God has taught mankind to trust Him, even when His ways are unclear. See, the children of Israel's worst days were when they doubted God and, and forsook Him, and when they rebelled against Him, even though they had, He had brought them out of bondage and had delivered them from death. Abraham 
was 70 years old. We're going to look at some of the, a couple of the circumstances in the time that I have. That the circumstances that greeted Abraham when he finally arrived at the, in the promised land. He left one area, it was called Ur of the Chaldees, not knowing where he was going to be going. He operated by faith, and he followed God's call. And after many years of difficulty, he finally reached the promised land. So who was there to greet him? No one. In Hebrews eleven nine, it says that Abraham lived in tents. He as well as the rest of the children of Israel. He was like a foreigner in the land of promise. As long as he was traveling across the desert, he could at least dream about what his future was going to be. How wonderful it was going to be. But when it got to Canaan, all the illusions disappeared. And see, none of what he had expected happened. Plus, he never went into the promised land, and neither did uh, Jacob or Isaac. How would you, or I, you and I have handled something like that? You had been traveling all these years. You lived in tents. You had no home. But you were following God. What he did was, he was faithful. E even though he was still a sinner... Even though he made some bad decisions, he was faithful to follow God all the way. And here's the point. God works across generations. Hear me now. He works across generations to accomplish his purposes. You and me, we're worried about which dress or shirt we're going to buy to go to the next big party. We spent probably more time wondering about what, how, how our children would dress up to go trick-or-treating. Let me ask you. Was Abraham in the will of God? Yes. Was he right to leave the land of Ur? He was. Was he doing what God wanted him to do? Yes, he was. So why was he living in tents? Why were they wandering? And the answer is this. Because God's plans, God's timetable is not the same as yours or mine. God is not in a big hurry like we are. God works across generations to accomplish what His purpose is for us. And there's a big difference in God's purpose and the way He sees things as opposed to the way you and I see them. A difference is in the lens that He uses opposed to the lens that we use. God often allows trouble or struggles following a period of prosperity and good times in order that he may test our motives. A child makes one bad decision after another. Cancer shows up. Parents with dementia. When things go sideways for us, hear this. God has not abandoned you, and he has not left me. Say that after me. God has not abandoned me. God has not abandoned me. When I say that, just say it with, God has not abandoned me. We don't understand that many times, and we may not even believe it. Listen, He allows things in our lives so that we might learn even more how to trust Him, even during life's most difficult moments. So why don't we say this? Here's another opportunity for me to trust God. I wonder what wonderful things He's going to do for me this time. I wonder what God has in store for my family and for me 
for our church this time. That is not easy. But you see, when we're able to say that, we're looking at life through the gospel lens that he wants us to, to look through. As we examine the lens that you and I live life through, let's keep some things in perspective. You see, we get so caught up with the immediate that we ignore what God might want to do in our lives. So let's ask ourselves, what difference is this thing that I'm worrying and fretting about, what difference is that going to make in a number of years? A guy wrote a book, and the, the title of it, What Difference Will This Make in 10,000 Years? My question is not that. My question is, what difference is this thing I'm fretting about? What good is that? Where will I be in three days or in two weeks? You see, we naturally tend to see life with ourselves at the center of the universe. And that is not what God wants for any of us. We naturally spend hours worrying about questions regarding our career, our education, our families, our future plans, and so forth. Yes, we need to be concerned about our future. We work toward it, and we save, and we prepare. But listen, let's understand that our life doesn't begin and end with us. When we see life from a gospel perspective, from the lens of the Father, then it doesn't all start and end with us. It starts and ends with Him. There was a uh, football team uh, several years ago, not from around here, that lost their homecoming game 51 to nothing. It was a total beatdown. But after the game, the coach was trying to console his players and give them some hope and get them to look beyond that night. And he told them, just put that one behind you. Let's just forget about it. And then he said, seven billion people on the face of the earth don't even know we played. I'm sure the Board of Education and the Booster Club and the trustees at that school probably did not share that same opinion. But he was keeping things in perspective. You see, we tend to see life through the lens of making small, insignificant matters way more important than they really ought to be. I read somewhere this week that 90% of what we worried about last week won't matter three weeks from now. It won't matter. But we take all that, that time and that energy just worrying about those things that really don't matter much. Listen, whether it's a test that you fretted about students, maybe it's a friend facing a serious illness, maybe it's a problem in a relationship that you have with someone else, maybe it's conflict at your job with a co-worker, maybe it's a big game that you're facing, or who's going to win an election. Listen, here's what I would tell us. Do what you can, prepare, work hard, and trust God with the results. Don't get an ulcer worrying about things that you have no control over. And don't worry about things that you can control. We worry and fret instead. My son Chad coaches cross country at a school in Atlanta. And I've, they've had a lot of success over the years there. And I've heard him give a, a last-minute challenge to his teams. And I think I've been to every one of the state meets uh, that he's taken them to. Uh, in Carrollton. And he gives this last minute challenge to them just before they run. So here I am, the proud 
father of a successful coach. I'm listening into the huddle that he ha where he has his seven runners there, and I'm waiting for something profound from my son. I ought to know better. <laughs> and I was expecting a let's win one for the Gipper type speech or a highly emotional challenge for them to let's get out there and, and, and win the state trophy or whatever. But instead, I heard him tell his team, you've trained hard in the heat and on weekends when your friends were having fun and you weren't, you paid the price to be here. You've earned it. And this is what he said. Trust your training. Let's pray. And then he had a prayer for them. That says to me this. Let's us don't worry and fret, just like he's telling them not to fret about a 3.1 mile race that you're about to run. Just do your best with the skills and intelligence that God has given to you. Do your best and leave the rest of it up to Him. You've trained for this. I want to tell you something. As followers of Jesus, you have been trained and are continuing to be trained so that you might represent Him well, so that you might see this, your life and this world through the gospel lens that He has for us. That's a lesson for life for me right there. If we view life through the lens of, I've got to do this, or what will happen if I don't win or make that sale, or if my kid doesn't get into the college of their choice, or, or an organization that is there, or what if they don't make the team? Listen, when these things don't happen like we want them to, or when the outcome is not what we expect, we grieve. We fret, we question, we fall away from Him, we act like the children of Israel did on more than one occasion. When it comes to making or having enough money, I love what Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, said. And I think this is us sometimes. He said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. And I think that's profound. When the lens through which we see this life, when this lens gets out of focus, we don't handle life well. Our priorities get twisted. What are our priorities? It is how we spend our time, how we spend our money, and what we think about. Those are our priorities. And when those things get out of whack, then we will not see our lives and life in general from a gospel, through a gospel lens. Listen. Life goes on whether we like it or not. It's my desire for you individually and for you as a church that you pursue God, that you read His Word, that you spend time with Him, that you fellowship with others, that you serve people who need serving, and that you see this world from a gospel-centered lens. That is my challenge for all of us, starting with me this day. Maybe, maybe it used to be that way for you, and maybe you just sort of drifted, and you've just kind of bought into the way the world is teaching us to do. We need to put that behind us. That will take us nowhere. That will not draw us closer to the Father. We will not be obedient when we do it that way. Let's you and me see our life 
and respond and live our lives in a way, one that honors the Father, that represents Him well, but where we are doing what He has taught us to do. That is my challenge for each of us this day. Let's bow our heads, please, for prayer. Father, I thank You that You have taught us what we need to do. Father, I pray that each one of us here this morning, Lord, will will take ourselves out of the center of our lives, Lord, and place you there in your word. Lord, I pray that from this day forward that we would, we would consider the gospel, the good news, and that our lives would be centered through that lens, Lord, that our lives would be brought into that focus. So, Father, I pray that you would be with us now as we continue uh, this time of worship and celebration. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, Give our hearts the ability to, to, to love you more. Lord, that we would uh, not forsake you. Lord, that we would honor you with our lives. I pray it in the name of Christ who loves us. Amen.